Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into college football overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. And let me tell you what, college football is coming to a close not before we get a national championship game featuring the Michigan Wolverines, the Washington Huskies, two undefeated programs. Wow. What a semifinal. We are so excited for you to join us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We're going to be discussing both of those games. Maybe give ourselves some uh, some early thoughts here on what we think about the national championship game. But we're pretty much all the way through bowl season. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, before we do any of that, before we break down what we saw in the Rose Bowl, before we break down what we saw in the Sugar Bowl, though, Abe Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, brother. Man, we are ready to decide it. Lo and behold, we go through a full season. You deal with the rankings and the complaining. There's going to be one undefeated team when this season ends. Everyone else has a one or higher in that loss column. Uh, it, it is a fitting way to end the season with the two lone undefeateds that remain, which will settle itself into just one national champion. So uh, pretty fitting. Two teams that I doubted, specifically on this podcast, on, on our station, Sports Radio United, United the Game in Atlanta. Like I I have, I doubted these two teams. And and honestly, they've proven me wrong every single step. I feel like an idiot for pulling off of Michigan because I was very strongly on them yeah. early in the season. And, and I didn't even really pull off of them as much as really start to believe in Georgia. But um, mm-hmm. even as recently as before the game, I was like, I don't know how good Michigan really is, but we found out. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they've been my team kind of most of the year that I believed in. So we'll see if they can get one more or not. Well, ironically to that point, Georgia would be favored against both of these yeah, teams of course. in the national championship game. But I guess we're not going to see that one because yeah. that's who we're not, who we're going to talk about tonight, but, but I do want to talk about what first happened in this Rose bowl game. They get the win against Alabama in overtime. And Jim Harbaugh, this is his first win in a college football playoff that he has been to. I mean, this is his third consecutive year of going to the college football playoff. I know he's been flirting with the NFL for a number of years, and now he's finally gotten through that penultimate goal, uh, a huge step in his progression to a national championship. Michigan, they're going to play for their first national title since 1997, and this is the chance to win only their third since 1948. Uh one other real quick note on this. The Crimson Tide will now go three straight seasons without a national title. This is the first time in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama 
that that's going to be the case, which is a weird thought for multiple reasons. One, I mean, it's an incredible statistic because it just shows just how dominant Alabama has been in the next Saban tenure. But then I'm not going to say they're regressing because they just played in a college football playoff. Uh, But this was one of his best coaching jobs uh, as the head coach of Alabama this year. They they grew up and they did a lot this season. And there's a lot to be proud of for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know he told the, the media after the game, it was one of the most impressive teams that he's ever coached. Uh, they've done a great job. And look, this was a great football game. I think either one of these teams, when it was all said and done, either one of these teams could have won. And it all comes down to the play of Blake Corum in the clutch. He played a magnificent football game when it was needed most. Roman Wilson was another one of those guys. He made clutch catches all over the field on that final drive, specifically on that final drive. Uh, but Blake Corum, 83 yards and a touchdown. 35 yards through the air, also caught a ball, uh, which was ironically the, the, the game winner uh, for Michigan, if you will. But Alabama had an opportunity, and I think Alabama squandered that opportunity. Am I wrong? I think they had an opportunity at multiple times uh, to, to either seize control of the game when it felt like Michigan had it uh, or to put this game away. Um, and so some, you know, I thought at the very end of the first half that they were able to score a touchdown, get the ball, flip side uh, to start the second half that you could separate from Michigan there when Michigan had truly dominated through the first half. And then obviously the final play of the game, we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to say this very puzzling decisions by Tommy Reese and Nick Saban uh, to continually have Jalen Milrow drop back. It it looked like the run game was working when they attempted to run the ball, especially along the right side of that offensive line. And, And, for him to, especially early in the game, not establish the run, but instead try and look for the pass, um, it, it very clearly didn't work. It, it, and kudos on the flip side to Jim Harbaugh for an attacking game plan uh, to limit Jalen Milrow. It, it wasn't about um, defending on the backside. It was purely about let's not give him time to get the ball down the field. And they executed yeah. that absolutely to an outstanding level. You talk about the physical uh, physicality and the toughness, the size, the strength, the speed. Michigan showed that up front. They absolutely dominated this game from that perspective. It was the difference. It was why they were so dominant in the first half. That being said, this game goes to overtime. I did think Alabama had a couple of chances if they were a little smarter with the ball um, to run out the clock or yeah. or uh, increase the size of their lead. They were unable to do so. Uh, and at the end of it, Michigan did take advantage the final play of the game, um, look, this was not a called quarterback run, uh, quarterback draw. So so let's get that out the way. It's a low snap, and Jalen Milrow panicked. And I'm not going to blame him for the decision he made, but the play they called, the play Tommy Reese had designed as it had opened up is a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the swing pass to to the running back who's motioning out left. Um, with two offensive linemen out that way. There's two defenders out there as well. But if they hold their blocks, he's out-leveraged the linebacker who's man-on-man. If it's a good snap, if Milrow makes the correct read, and now he'd have to make the the right throw, and -hmm. we've seen him miss those short throws before. So I'm not going to say it's 100%. But without the low snap, that that is a touchdown design. Uh, And so uh, I don't want to question Tommy Reese uh, on that one or Nick Saban. They they called a play that was going to go for a touchdown if executed properly. I have no doubts in my mind. I'm very confident in saying that. But it was a low snap. We had seen multiple low snaps uh, in the game uh, that Milrow had to deal with. 
Um, and, and it just came at the wrong time. And, and that's the breaks sometimes when you don't put teams away. Um, and, and it kind of went both ways, right? Sure. Like Michigan didn't put Alabama away early when they really should have. Um, and, and it comes back to bite them for a while. And Alabama uh, regains control of this game, takes the lead. Uh, and Michigan's the team that has to battle back and make some plays down the stretch. And the other kudos is to Blake Corum. You and I had talked about him uh, in our preview uh, episode. And the question was, he's a great finisher. If he gets in the red zone, you may as well go ahead and put six on the board. But where are the big plays? Can he deliver? Can he explode? And multiple occasions, he did. Uh, And I think that was the biggest difference for Michigan was that Blake Corm turned into not just a workhorse, not just a drive finisher, but a big play machine. Uh, and it was very important. It came at key moments of the game multiple times, including a bruising run in overtime that eventually became the game winner. So you, you got to give kudos uh, to Michigan. They, they didn't let much get behind them, which is what yeah. Alabama uh, ha- had relied on. Um, and unfortunately for Alabama, it was the wrong time for Milrow to go back to looking like early season Milrow and for that offensive line, by the way, it's not all just on Jalen Milrow. He was under siege in this game. Uh, um, but ultimately the game plan that Michigan um, used to, to defeat Alabama uh, defensively was an outstanding game plan. I am surprised that Alabama was not able to counter uh, in the first half. They weren't able to adjust uh, as much as I thought they would. I'm also surprised that they did not stick with the run as much as it, it looked like they should have. It felt like they were succeeding. Uh, again, I mentioned specifically over the right side of that offensive line, but um, ultimately they did not. It was very surprising to me. Uh, now, the other question that's asked is, why didn't Georgia attack Milrow the way Michigan does? And that's a different question, um, but you have to imagine if they had, maybe we're having a different discussion here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michigan played an outstanding game. Uh, J.J. McCarthy stepped up. Uh, one of the big questions we had was, was can he make the big plays in key moments? And in this game, he certainly did. Um, it's a very deserving Rose Bowl win for Michigan, a very deserving chance to win a national championship uh, for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. And and at the end of the day, I know we're going to have these discussions depending on what happens Monday night, but uh, I hope people can look past all, all the nonsense that's gone on at Michigan this year and appreciate what they have done on the field. This was an impressive victory for the Wolverines, Garrett. Yeah, and, and honestly, Jace McClellan, like to your point, he had a really good game. Yeah, like this is a guy who played really, really well. He played good football, and and he averaged over six yards per carry against a a pretty vaunted defensive unit for Michigan, who who has not allowed teams to run the ball with any sort of effectiveness this season. And I, I'm like you, I'm a little blown away that they yeah. didn't continue to go back to the well there because that at the end of the day that keeps your offense out on the field and their offense on the sideline and even still even through that i still felt like alabama had at some level control of this football game i mean i understand that they they kind of reverted back to their old ways like you mentioned slow snaps and they were allowing a lot of pressure i mean five sacks in the first half alone Jalen milrow looked not like himself, not like the guy who we had seen over the last couple of weeks. Maybe it was because it, by the end of the season, they had been playing like they have nothing to lose. And I think that was kind of 
working in their favor. Interesting. Uh, Jalen Milrow had nothing to lose. What's the worst that happens? You lose to a better football team and, and you don't go to a college football playoff in the SEC title game. You play loose. And that's how some people play. Some Sometimes people get tight. And I think that's what we saw in Jalen Milrow when they played Texas earlier this season. It's what we saw from Alabama when they played USF. It felt like the wheels were falling off. And then they, they sort of seemingly at some point this season just seemed like they flipped a switch and said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go play ball. And when they hit that switch, it seemed like they started playing their best football of the season. And it seemed like they reverted back, if you will. The defense was always pretty good. You know, like they, they could get hit over the top every now and then. But for the most part this season, the defense has been consistently very good. That was never my big question. My question was the offense. And the offense reverted back to looking tight. Yeah. The snaps were terrible. They were allowing pressure. They seemingly second-guessed decisions that were made, whether they were play calls or or, or whether or whatever it was. It was missing routes. I mean, they didn't look good. But despite all of that, I still felt like they had control of this football game. And it wasn't until that – like they had the muff punt. Like the Michigan muff punt felt like that was a dagger. That mm-hmm. felt like that was the moment where – Okay, Michigan, the lights are just too bright. It's just it's just not meant to be. Jim Harbaugh, you're just never going to get over that hump. And then that 75-yard drive happened. And that's where J.J. McCarthy stepped up. That's where J.J. McCarthy really impressed me. You need your stars. In the biggest moments, you defer to your stars. Jalen Milrow didn't get it done. But on the other side for the Michigan Wolverines, Blake Corn, Roman Wilson, J.J. McCarthy, these dudes stepped up in the biggest moment. And now the Rose Bowl champions with the with an opportunity to go play for a national championship. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on the same bandwagon as you. Uh, I, if you would ask me before the game, one quarterback's going to step up in a key moment and make a play. Mm-hmm. I, I would have told you for sure it's Jalen Milrow, yeah. um, and it wasn't. Uh, it, it, it was it was as you mentioned. It was JJ McCarthy. And uh, look, I. I'm not going to sit here and agree with Jim Harbaugh. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of Michigan football. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but on this day, he was what they needed. And and um, I had expected Alabama to win this game. I, I really did. Uh, it was a slow start, and yet they were in it. I thought they had seized control, uh, and somehow Michigan fought and, and, and got past them uh, in overtime. It, it is the mark of a champion um to to battle through uh, uh moments of a game where you nearly lose control of it uh to regain some momentum and and look a- anytime you're dealing with and I know it wasn't the final drive of the game it, it was ultimately what sent it to overtime but yeah anytime you're dealing with a situation where you have to have it um it cannot fail um you get to fourth downs etc cetera, etc cetera, um and you continue to drive and convert um, it's gut check time, uh, and yeah. they were ready for it. Harbaugh was ready for it. J.J. McCarthy, as you mentioned, was ready for it. And Blake Corum, Roman Wilson, uh, both made plays on that drive also. So, uh, again, very, uh, kudos to Michigan on, on a well-deserved victory in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, two of the winningest programs in the history of college football, standing up on the biggest of stages, the, the granddaddy of them all. It's the most watched football game going back to 2018. It's a uh, – I think it was. The, I think I read somewhere it was the most watched sporting event going back to 2018. Going back to the uh, on cable, uh, I think on cable. on cable. I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, but it, it was very impressive. Good football game, and uh, honestly, I hope that the national championship resembles something like we saw there. Uh, 
Speaking of which, I, I hope it also resembles what we saw in the nightcap. If you were able to stay up for it, this one had a wild, wild finish. Uh, one that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. This game felt like it was pretty much in hand yeah. by the end, end of it. And like, I don't know, mid- midway through the fourth quarter, they kick a field goal. And I'm like, all right, that's it. That's a two-score game. That's all she wrote. And Texas, to their credit, they kept battling back. They they cut this game to a, a one-score game twice in, like, the final 10 minutes or so. Or, excuse me, in the final seven minutes. This was a really, really wild finish. And if I'm Washington, it's just build the statue for Michael Penix already. 430 yards. It's the fourth most yards in a college football playoff game in history. It was an unbelievable performance. On top of that, I mean, like this is a guy who, who is the first player with multiple 4,500-yard passing seasons in Pac-12 history. It, this is a dude who had three season-ending injuries, one to both of his knees and then to his throwing shoulder. I mean, he went to his stars. His stars dominated. Roma Dunze, six catches, 125 yards. Jalen Polk, five catches, 122 yards. And look, at the end of the day, when, it, when Polk popped that ball up to himself and he caught it for a touchdown, th- that was just fate telling you, okay, this is just this is just their day. This is just how it's going to go. And they stepped up. This I told you when, when we previewed this game, this football game was going to be about the Stars. And I, I specifically called out the skill players, and the skill players played really well. A.D. Mitchell, I think they should have gone to him a lot sooner in this game than what they ended up doing, but it was Michael Penix. At the end of the day, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, these are the two guys who got you there. They fed the ball to their horses, and their horses did the rest, and and they they delivered a fantastic football game. Yeah, a couple things here, Garrett, uh, and we'll, I'll work backwards forwards. I want to start with those last set of downs uh, sure. for Texas, uh, chance to win the game. Um, forget the rest of the game. If you had switched the quarterbacks in this game, and Michael Penix is taking those four downs for Texas. Texas scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's just how good he was, how pinpoint he was, uh, how much confidence I had in, in him at that point. He was outstanding. We talked about this, Garrett. Maybe there was some injury situation with Penix um, through the middle and late parts of this season. He looked like September Michael Penix in this game. Uh, they ran him. Uh, a little bit more than we had seen in recent weeks, but also just the passing. Uh, it, it was pinpoint. And, and this goes back to the key that I mentioned to you on our last episode, Garrett, was can Texas's front affect Penix? Or is he standing back there hitting big plays? Garrett, all game long, he was standing back there hitting big plays. We knew this was a problem. The backside of Texas defense the amount of explosives they allow Washington's offense, the amount of explosives they create. It, it was a terrible matchup. And, and at the end of the day, they did not pressure Penix the way they were going to need to pressure him for this to be a competitive game. Now they found a way somehow to get back into this because it looked like, as you mentioned, it, it looked like at, what was it? 34, uh, 34, 21. And Texas fumbles near uh, near midfield, um, and and you start to think this is probably the end of it. Um, but they hold. Uh, I, there was some 
Arthur Smith trick play nonsense that didn't have to be called uh, at that part of the game. And, and, and maybe it woke up Texas because they do come rallying back with a chance to win. But it, it felt like Washington, who never trailed in this game, mm-hmm. led from the very beginning. Uh, now it was tied multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like they had control of this game until the very end where you're like, hang on now. If someone makes a play, they're going home. Um, yep. And you talk about both the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl ending essentially on the game's final play one way or another. Um, you can't ask for two better finishes. This was a, again, I thought the other game was a lot more competitive, could go either way. Score-wise, at the end, this could have gone either way too. But but it felt like Washington had this game seized. It yeah. felt like they were the better team um in this game so i was surprised when i'm sitting there with with a minute left and saying they could they could they could lose this game when all said and done and we had already seen ad mitchell go up and snag one about 13 feet in the air um and they were looking for it again uh it, it, you know there, there are throws that were there unfortunately for quinn ewers who i thought was good in this game not great but i thought he was good but ultimately the four throws he needed at the end um, didn't take place. Uh, obviously there's some questions about Washington and some of the decision-making on their final offensive drive. Should you just take a knees, uh, run the clock out as much as you can and uh, either punt or, or, or uh, turn it over on downs from there. Um, obviously you have the unfortunate situation with Dylan Johnson, who was banged up for most of the second player. half. Uh, but the fact that he goes down and can't leave the field. Now you're giving Texas 30 seconds back. That's why we even get into the situation that we end up in. Uh, you know, there was an opportunity for you to be punting with like 18 seconds left or so uh, and pin them back instead of the the 50 or whatever the number was that they did get the ball. So um, some unfortunate situation there that made the game a little bit tighter uh, than you would have liked uh, if you're a Washington fan. But ultimately, and here's where it gets comfortable for you you've won like how many straight one possession games Ten. now for for washington you're very comfortable in that situation um and, and this is just another example obviously the defense had great coverage uh, on the final couple of plays there inside the 20 um there were windows but they were tight garrett they didn't bust anything they didn't blow anything uh now it helps to know that they're probably not throwing short they're probably not even throwing boundary they're going to the end zone each time mm-hmm. that certainly helps you devise how you're going to defend um but in the in the biggest moments their defense did step up so kudos to washington an incredible season and and, and again going back to the first thing i said it looks like michael Penix is back to being 100 percent healthy that's really nice to see because um he's an outstanding quarterback and he had about as good a game in a big game for a non-running quarterback and i know he moved around a little bit but with his arm he had about as good a game as you could possibly have. The accuracy, the deep ball, it was all there for him. And, and in the end, Washington needed all of it. Yeah, and I think by the end of the first half, um, really the end of the first quarter, you knew he was going to have a special game. It's just all appearances were – it was very clear. Uh, but by the end of the first half, I think he was second only to Joe Burrow, who – scored just an obscene amount of points against Oklahoma and the, the peach bowl going back to, I think it was 2019. Uh, it was that season with Joe Burrow and it was just an incredible performance uh, just across the board. The Michigan 
or excuse me, not the Michigan, the, the Washington uh, offense was just damn near perfect. They punted on their first drive and then they didn't punt again until the fourth quarter. It was just perfect. And they did every single thing that, that every single thing, right. And I think you said it perfectly. It was his health was paramount. I said it in the preview. Um, over his first six games of 2023, he had uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He was producing Joe Burrow-like numbers. I know yeah. I just compared him in the first half. That's pretty much what he was over the first six games of the season. But from there, it was mostly just regression. He, he went from 10, 10 and a half yards per, uh, per drop back over his first six games to seven in his past seven. His completion rate fell from 72 to 61. His interceptions and sacks, the, all that went up. He looked like he was, he had lost a little bit of that mobility. And, and it's not that he's a, a, a running quarterback. It's the fact that he has that pocket presence and he's able to get out and make throws. He just looked banged up. He didn't look right. But I think you say iron sharpens iron, that sort of thing. That's what I said in the preview. It is a strength to be able to be in these kinds of games and play at a high level and consistently come back to the well and be able to trust your guys in those biggest of moments. They've done it all season. They had confidence that they could get it done. And I'm not saying that Texas did. And Texas has been in some really good football games this year, too. They've won an overtime game earlier this year. I mean, you have so much confidence in that Washington team, both on the offense and on the defense, to get the job done. And that's what they did. I mean, these guys played at a high level. But I will come after Steve Sarkeesian because there's no reason that you need to be throwing a little, what is it, a little uh, screen pass, 25 seconds left on the, or what was it, 10 seconds, 15 seconds left on the clock or something crazy. I, I don't know what you're doing there. And it was, a, maybe that was a Quinn Ewers decision to dump it down, but it felt like he panicked a little bit. And I think they got kind of lucky and then they should have gone to A.D. Mitchell way sooner. This is a dude who steps up in the biggest of moments. Xavier Worthy was a little banged up. I know he had an ankle injury. Coming into this game, he heard, he got hurt in the, the Big 12 title game. I, I don't know why A.D. Mitchell wasn't more, more of a focal point until late in the game. It, it, was, it wasn't until A.D. Mitchell yelled at the sideline. They, they featured that on the broadcast. He yells at the sideline, says, feed me, feed me. And then he finally fed him. On the next play, he scores a touchdown. That's not a coincidence. Some guys are just dogs. You know, some guys are just dogs. And you got to feed those guys. You got to get those guys to football. And it wasn't until late in the game. It, surprise, surprise. That's when they started finding success. And it's it's no coincidence that both passes that they had on those final and that final four plays of the game, no coincidence that both of those went to A.D. Mitchell in the end zone. That doesn't surprise me, not even in the slightest. But Texas did just about everything it could in this game. Washington was just the better football team. They were, they played flawless football, damn near on offense. They they turn over free. Uh, the only thing that stopped them from being a perfect game, I'd say, was the rushing attack, which was largely contained, mostly because you have Michael Penix who can drop back and just hit. At a, the football was on a string for much of the game. Uh, Dylan Johnson, his health against Michigan, he needs to be healthy. He needs to be able to go. I don't, I don't think so, so important. brother. I, I hate to uh, tell you, I don't think so. Player. If Michael Penix is playing at that level, then I think Michael Penix is going to be fine, and the offense is largely going to be fine. But this is also a much better unit that you're not going to be able to pick apart down the field in the same way. You need at least some 
semblance of a rushing attack. And I don't know who's backing up Dylan Johnson. I just do know that Dylan Johnson has been a very important cog in this offensive machine this year. He still had two touchdowns in this game, but he was held under 50 yards for, I want to say the first time all season. Uh, I like to see him healthy, but zero sacks on this game. Like you said, really impressive effort uh, from Washington. I'm, I'm just over the moon impressed with what those guys looked like on Monday. And I picked against them three times and I'm Owen three. So do with that information as you will. I don't know if I can pick against them a fourth time, uh, but I, I know that this upcoming matchup between Michigan and Washington is going to be a lot of fun. you got two block block letter teams coming against each other. And I think that's going to be fun just, just for that reason. But I mean, look, you have an elite defense versus an elite offense. I think this is the, the number one and the number two team in the country. You said it in the open. Two undefeated football teams. Two teams who have defied expectations for the entirety of the season. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, I am too. Uh, it, it just – I don't want to get into the discussion of who the best team is and all that sure. nonsense because I still think if you line you them up today – Georgia beats both of these teams, but they lost at the wrong time. They they were denied that opportunity. Um, but but these are these are two very deserving teams. And we said it. Any of the four teams that were in the playoffs uh, could have advanced and won. And you look at a situation right where you're like, okay, well, like it was overtime in in, in the Michigan Alabama game. Either team could have won this. Texas is one completed pass at the end of the game from sending Washington home, either team could have won that. So you're going to say something? Yeah, real quick. You actually just reminded me of, of a stat. So in the pregame, in the preview for this game, for the Sugar Bowl, I said that one of the biggest keys for Texas was red zone offense. Ironically, the play comes down, the game comes down to red zone offense. They yeah, were, it's a little different when you're tight FBS. on time and you have to go to the end zone, but I I, I feel but it's yeah. 120th in FBS they, yeah. it's scoring touchdowns. They, they, yep. There was only 49% of the red zone trips ended in touchdowns. Now, li- like you said, and we and we talked about this, and you have to give kudos to not just Michael Penix, but that offensive line sure. for Washington. They did a great job holding Oregon's attack uh, front down. They did a great job holding that vaunted Texas front down. Um, they're going to have to do it again uh, against Michigan because uh, we saw how they came after uh, Jalen Milrow, you, you probably don't attack Penix the same way because unlike Milrow, he can beat you intermediate and short mm-hmm. passes, and they have some guys who can do it. Uh, the biggest concern for me, and, and I know we're going to talk more about this uh, uh, on the episode that releases Monday morning, but Washington's run defense is not that great. Um, you, know, you know, They gave up 180 yards to Texas, who was on their second and third string running backs after mm-hmm. Jonathan Brooks went down, so – um, they're going to have to find a way to be better in that aspect because uh, Blake Corum uh, had about as good as a game as you could have while not topping 100 yards. And, and so he's going to come in ready to roll. And uh, as you mentioned, too, the, the health of Dylan Johnson is paramount. Um, he only had – I think he had less than 50 yards, but he did have the two touchdowns. Um, I don't know if he can go or not, uh, but it would be a big boost if he – can if not someone's going to have to step up because it can't all be on Michael Penix and the receivers a lot of it yes but not all of it yeah I mean this is this is a really really important matchup specifically that offensive line 
Yeah. I'm really excited to get deep into this conversation because my early inclinations are that this is going to be strength versus strength. And I love, I love games like that. But ironically, this is also going to be another familiar matchup for uh, Kellen DeBoer. Washington played uh, Texas last year in the Alamo Bowl. They won that game. DeBoer played Michigan in 2021 and lost that game. Because that was his first year, right? Oh, no. No, never mind. Never mind. That was a, that was under the former regime. Well, Michigan played in, in 2021. Never mind. Uh, either way, it's too many people are changed and it, it's different. Things yeah, change. But I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this Michigan defensive line is able to do against this Washington offensive line. Uh, and, and really, can Braylon Trice continue to get pressure? He The second straight season, uh, he was named the MVP of that defense. He sacks Texas's quarterback, Quinn Ewers, twice in this game. I, I think he played an outstanding game. He's going to be one of the forgotten heroes of that game because just of how well that offense played. But I, I think this is a fascinating matchup. I'm really excited about it. I'm just thrilled that it's two undefeated teams and two teams who are starving for a title and starving to get back into relevance, two future teammate, uh, uh, rivals potentially in the Big Ten Conference coming up next year. But we're going to save a lot of that conversation here on the College Football Overtime Podcast for Monday. So make sure you're right back here. We are going to break down the entire game. And as you've already seen, a lot of the things that we talked about on that first podcast last week came into effect. And that was really the case. And a lot of those and, and, and it reared their head in, in uh, both of those games. So make sure you're right here. If you want to get that preview to know, get that head start on all your friends before the game, come on over, check us out. College Football Overtime Podcast releasing on Monday morning as we preview the national championship. But this has been our preview or our review, I will say, of the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Michigan, 27-20 winners. Washington, the 37-31 winner over Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Thank you so much, so much for joining us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. Thank you so much for listening. Catch us again on Monday morning. See ya.